Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast presented to you by Purple Row of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and I'm joined here once again by Evan Lang. How's it going, everybody? And we're also joined here by our very good friend, Mac Wilcox, who's back. What's up, y'all? I am returned. Uh, I made it through my bout of... uh... Food poisoning from the last few days, so we are ready to rock and roll. Nice. Yeah, what did you great. eat nice. that gave you food poisoning? It was chicken. It was uncooked chicken, and everybody else was like, I'm not going to eat that. It looks kind of undercooked, but I am a busy guy with stuff to do, so I didn't have time to check and see if it was cooked first, so I just went for it, and a few hours later, I was in a bad spot. Okay, so to be fair, multiple other people said to you, don't eat that. It looks undercooked. And they said they weren't going to eat it. theirs. They were like, I don't know. Mine looks kind of weird, but I was like, I'm a trusting guy. Let's just see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Who's got time to check these kinds of things? Apparently not you. Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> I got stuff to do. I got places to be. Apparently that place to be is in the bathroom for a few days. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I just like the idea that Mac decided after everybody else is like, nah, I'm not going to eat this. He's like, I'm going to roll the dice and paid the price. So to be fair, I'll, I'll, I'll be revealing on stream here. When I was in college, um, I ordered some pizza and I got vicious food poisoning from it. And after I had recovered, I didn't want to waste the pizza because I was super broke at the time. So I ate another slice. Wow. Mm. 
Nice. I was so broke and I spent money on that pizza. So I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to waste it. That's a waste of my money. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's like on the Simpsons when Homer gets that gigantic sub and then he just keeps eating it until it's just rotten and nasty and it gives him oh, food poisoning. But he God. still wants to eat it. For Disgusting. the expired Cookie Mart hot dogs. Oh yeah, that one's pretty good too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, welcome back to our show. Uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of food poisoning. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> <laughs> You know what doesn't give me food poisoning? Coaching changes. What a segue. Bunch of pros out here, man. Bunch of professionals out here. Incredible. Yeah, like Evan said, we got tons to talk about. uh, Probably with this biggest news here that the Rockies announced some 2023 coaching staff changes. Uh, For the most part, a lot of people will be returning, but Black's still there as manager. Uh, everybody else hanging out. Uh, but they did make two changes with third base coach Stu Cole has been reassigned to a minor league role. So he'll be helping with player development, going down to the minors, helping work with young players, uh, probably with defense to get guys up to speed. And then here's the big one that we're going to spend the most, more, probably the most time talking about. Hitting coach Dave Magadan has agreed to mutually part ways with the Rockies and will not be returning for the 2023 season. Uh, Mac, first reactions here when you see the news that Dave Magadan will not be returning as the hitting coach. So this is surprising to me because I don't know about you guys. I did not think that there were going to be significant coaching changes this season. I thought that we were going to enter 2023 with basically the same coaching staff that we had been used to at this point. But I do think it is a step in the right direction. I don't know who the replacement hitting coach is going to be. But before I speculate on that, like, you know, we have talked about it ad nauseum on this show many times that the Rockies offense has continued to take steps backwards. And it's not like it's you know, a down year here and then kind of back to league average or even a little below league average. It's that the Rockies offense has pretty consistently overall been one of baseball's least effective offenses over the last few seasons, which is crazy to think about, right? Like the narrative of Coors Field has been completely flipped on its head where the Rockies are not going to bludgeon you to death. They're going to get a couple runs and then hope that they're pitching in bullpen can you know get them to the finish line and so you know the idea that the rockies where you know where they play and even some of the personnel they have on their team are unable to score runs is pretty wild to me we've talked a lot about like the ground balls and you know i know we talked a lot about randall gritchick in particular he's like a good case study as somebody who's known for hitting uh fly balls primarily and he comes into Coors field a fly ball park and a park that's known for its offense. And he hits more ground balls than almost anybody else in baseball. So I do think that there's obviously some sort of disconnect with the way that the offense is run from different teams and the Rockies. There's a lot to be said about that. There's a whole lot that goes into that, but I do think that a lot of it came from maybe some sort of disconnect with Dave Maggot. Yeah. I just, at the end of the day, I just think that, there's a lot of options the Rockies could turn to. Jordan Pacheco comes up as an option from his work in AAA and what he's done there. But in general, just overall, I really think that 
it's it's there there has to be some sort of change you can't go from what the rockets have done in the past this you know incredibly intense and 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 an offense that has done a lot of good work for them to suddenly becoming one of the league's worst consistently year after year so the rockies do need a change i think that this is a surprising one but i one i think that a lot of people are very, very happy about and i think that there's a lot of options they could turn to but either way just the fact that they're willing to make a move like this in the offseason if nothing else approves that they recognize what needs to change and hopefully they can find something to replace them in the future. Yeah. Just to finish that point. Like, I just think it's one of those things where it'll be really interesting to see who they replace Magadan with, because there are options available to them internally and they might, you know, do the one thing that the Rockies don't like to do. And that's to go externally to find another candidate. So I would, I would hedge my bets on maybe a Jordan Pacheco, but uh, beyond that, I think it's anybody's guess who's going to replace Magadan. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, let's keep this train rolling here on on now, Evan. I know you're pretty happy here with <laughs> this hitting coach change. Uh, what was kind of your reaction, or what does this mean for the Rockies now that Dave Magadan is that they're moving on from Dave Magadan? What's most important in moving on from Dave Magadan is finding a good replacement with a consistent hitting philosophy that can do the things that the Rockies really really need to do which is lift the ball draw walks those are the two big things um as we've talked about before with under magnet it's really been diminishing returns and this year the rockies put up one of their worst offenses in team history um back in september i put out an article titled the rockies offense just isn't working and i really sort of laid out how despite the fact that they were leading the league in team batting average, which in team history, isn't even that good of a team batting average. It's like the fifth worst in team history. Almost all of their other main standard offensive categories are the worst or the second worst in franchise history. So worst slugging percentage, worst uh, total OPS, Second worst runs per game, second worst runs, second worst hits, second worst doubles, worst triples, worst home runs, uh, not counting the 1993 and 1994 seasons. So the worst Rockies offense since they were an expansion team in, in 93 and 94. And it really comes to a lot of it is that ground ball percentage Underneath Dave Maggot and the Rockies have had a hugely bloated ground ball rate. We saw it with Grant, we saw it with Randall Gritchick, especially this year, with Brendan Rogers, where they both had ground ball percentages well over 50, leading the league. The Rockies as a team led the entire league in ground, ground ball percentage at 46.8. That is also the highest ground ball percentage in team history. And that has a lot to do with that power drain that we've talked about where the Rockies hit the the fewest home runs since they were an expansion team. They just were not getting the ball over the fence, not at home, not on the road, especially not on the road. But when, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you are be, you are hitting less home runs at Coors Field than your opponents are, that's a problem. And when you have, again, for just the second time in franchise history, no 30-plus home run batters for two straight years. That's a problem. And the majority of our power hitters didn't make it above 20. We had two that made it over 20, and that's Ryan McMahon and that's C.J. Crone. And C.J. Crone was supposed to hit over 30, 
but he didn't. He only he stalled out at 29. And we just we really saw that power drain as a club where, yeah, the batting average is great, but we're not really getting anything else accomplished. And so I think that just goes to show just how important moving on from Dave Magadan is. I've talked about it before. I have nothing against Mags as a person, but as a hitting coach, he just historically has not been very good. He, as the hitting coach of the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2018, brought them to their worst offensive season in franchise history. And then the Rockies hired him up and it's been diminishing returns for that offense ever since. And so we really need to look at as a, as a franchise establishing a consistent hitting philosophy. And I think it's really important with who we bring in when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And, and, that's totally agree with that because you look at the returns and it just kind of has slowly gotten worse. And no, you can look at a brief glance compare the Rockies compared to the rest of the league. And a lot of things are still comparable. Like, Oh, they're doing this and that, but you can only, Oh, take those at surface level because the Rockies also have the added in no way they play on the road and how they hit where that is just abysmal. And that impacts and it can, magnifies even more so what the uh what the home team when they play at home what they struggle with and so that offense just as a whole isn't working there's no consistency on the road to home and all that stuff so it's probably good to bring in a, a new fresh set of eyes you know maybe somebody that's younger and not 60 years old hmm. you know or pushing pushing 60 nope that's a whole nother thing where the team needs to get a little younger and whatnot in some aspects and just their philosophy of how they approach the game, because this isn't the 1980s anymore, you know, home runs, home runs are premium. That's what you need the most of. And so hopefully this gives them that opportunity. If we can get a little bit more consistent, get somebody that can really use analytics and describe those and you know, utilize that to help improve guys facts, you know, and all that stuff. So this is a good opportunity. This is a very, important probably one of the most important decisions they have for this coming off season of who becomes your hitting coach to help change that hitting philosophy and help figure out how in the world do you hit on the road maybe they just hire jose iglesias as the road hitting coach <laughs> as a road hitting coach i mean it might like, be legit. worth looking into having a a multiple primary hitting coaching it's one thing to have multiple assistant hitting coaches and the Rockies are bringing back assistant hitting coaches Andy Gonzalez and PJ Politeri which I'm fine with on both of those moves they were both you know in their first years with the organization last year and I am totally fine with them having another go at it because they're the assistant hitting coaches not the primary hitting coaches but it might be worth looking into having a couple different faces in terms of the coaching room for primary hitting coaches and if it means you have one dude who specializes in hitting on the road maybe that's something the Rockies should look into because they're abysmal on the road and in general mm -hmm. they've been just not very good the Rockies had one of the lowest way to runs created plus in all of baseball this season at 86 uh, only the Cincinnati Reds Pittsburgh Pirates Oakland Athletics and Detroit Tigers had worse. And the Rockies also had one of the worst, you know, team offensive wars 
in all of baseball at uh, 6.8. Only the Pirates, Nationals, Reds, and Tigers had worse. So we're we're down there with the rest of the bottom dwellers in terms of you know even even park adjusted stats. So it's really something the Rockies need to to nip in the bud. And and there are plenty of people who have have some ideas of who we can bring in as a hitting coach. Um, I think we've all talked about a little bit Jordan Pacheco, uh, who was the hitting coach down in AAA Albuquerque this year really really impressed me but like you said Skyler this is a tremendously important decision this offseason yeah and that kind of move along here into that next part of this conversation of you know what kind of hitting coach doesn't necessarily have to be a specific person they're thinking of and we've touched on this a little bit but you know what kind of hitting coach would you want to see the Rockies bring in and there's also a plug for uh, Joel's Friday rock pile that you can check out talking about hitting coaches, but uh, it seems like there are a lot of options out there. What do you think, Mac? Who would, what kind of hitting coach would you want to see? Or is there a specific person that you'd want to see, or even a dream pick? I would say, uh, so if we're going with the, like less of a name and more of just like a concept of, it, it would be somebody that can help the Rockies hit with runners in scoring position. Because I really think that is what they need more than anything. Like, we have seen so often over the last few seasons, you know, a leadoff walk and an infield single. And the Rockies have runners on with nobody out in a scoreless ball game or in a tie ball game. And the heart of the lineup coming up and we see pop outs, ground ball double plays, strikeouts in these key situations and so, you know, I think it would be great to find somebody who, you know, or even like a leadoff double situation where, you know, someone that can put the ball to the right side of the infield and move the run over to third and set up a sack fly. You know what I mean? Like just somebody who is able to move the gears along, not necessarily somebody that's going to swing for the fences and try to hit a grand slam every single time, but just a hitting coach that understands what it takes to get runs across the board and play something resembling small ball or even just getting the ball over the infielder's head and into the gap or something to that effect. We have just seen the amount of ground balls the Rockies have hit over the last few seasons is almost at an epidemic level. And if there is some sort of hitting coach that can come in and show guys how to hit line drives, you know, things into the gaps, I think that would make a huge, huge difference. Or something like that. I don't know who that's going to be, but just something to that effect. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't have a name for that, but uh, as long as we can find somebody that can get those runners over and get those runs across the plate in situations where the Rockies are able to score quickly and early, that's who I would like. Yeah, definitely. And someone that you know, can help them with that plate approach, be a little bit more well-rounded and whatnot. I think that is huge. Uh, what do you think, Evan? What, what, What's your kind of like dream type of hitting coach? Uh, first of all, you mentioned this earlier, Skyler. They have to be younger. They have to be more in touch with the modern game of baseball. And especially if you're going with a former player, which a lot of the best hitting coaches can be, they need to have played more recently than the early 2000s. And I actually don't 
don't dislike at all the idea that uh, Joelle brought up on her Friday rock pile of cargo. Cargo was a young guy who was a very talented hitter. And, and a lot of, a lot of what he lost when he was hitting was that his bat speed decreased. Um, but besides the point of that is that he's a young guy who is bilingual and can relate to the younger players in major league baseball, I think a lot better and is more familiar with the modern game of baseball than some of these older guys are going to be. And another big thing about a guy like cargo. And I think really anybody that we bring in is that they need to contribute positively to the energy of the clubhouse. Uh, We've talked about it a decent amount over these last few seasons is that uh, at times the clubhouse seems really dour and and really just kind of miserable. And you need a guy that can inject energy into that clubhouse. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, it doesn't have to be cargo. It doesn't have to be a former Rocky. It probably will be because that's, that's sort of the front office's MO. Uh, When I was talking about things on Twitter, um, someone brought up to me the the three boxes that it checks for the for things need to check for the Rockies organization. So it's a former Rocky that fits the organization's hiring MO, proven results at lower levels, and can relate with incoming wave of talent and will raise eyebrows and continue the narrative for the Rockies being insular. And there's a couple guys, but you know, cargo does check that box. But I it really does need to be somebody who is more in tune with the modern game of baseball. And another thing that they need to do is be accepting of analytics. Listen to the analytics team. Bill Schmidt says that he plans to increase the size of the analytics team this offseason. Awesome. That means the coaches and the front office and everybody needs to listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Work in tandem with them all, which is the most important thing because we can't just have a, a hitting coach in there that's, just going to disregard all that not so work in tandem with the research and analytics to like hey this is what we're seeing here's how we can implement it and have that hitting coach able to then take that information break it down simplify it and communicate it effectively it's probably the biggest thing but some of that fits with me i do have some hesitation like i think jordan pacheco if we had to that one would be fine. I just have pause for that. One, he's just barely done with his first season in a very hitter-friendly environment, which he did particularly well, but it was his first season as a professional coach. And I don't know if he would want to leave that situation of being in Albuquerque in his hometown right now with his family. They almost spent have a little bit closer to home and all that stuff. And I think a, a Triple A season is a little bit less rigorous on a on a young family, so he would be fine. But I don't know if they'd want to maybe look elsewhere as well for maybe a better option or someone that you know has a little bit more big league experience, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, just definitely understandable there. It's just um, it, it's just an idea of I think what Jordan Pacheco accomplished in his first season in Albuquerque is very similar to what the Rockies need to look for in a hitting coach. And that is the isotopes elevated the ball. They hit a lot of home runs. They set a franchise record in home runs in a season and grand slams in a season. 
and they also drew a pretty decent number of walks. And that is really in line with uh, Pacheco's plate approach when he was a player. Pacheco drew a lot of walks. He was a very patient batter. And that's something that needs to be instilled in Rockies hitters as well. More patience, draw more walks, get on base. And then the long ball is a lot more threatening when you've got the bases juiced. But I, mm-hmm. I do totally get where you're coming from, especially Pacheco's very young. It was his first season coaching uh, in affiliated baseball. And he does have that young family. So he's not necessarily maybe going to want to move around constantly and have to be on the road all the time when he's got, you know, his, his wife and kids. Plus it's just, again, that hometown connection. He's got a pretty sweet deal right now. (laughs) Former Lobo lives in the area, grew up in the area. Yeah. Very good stuff. Uh, One thing I wanted to, or I guess Mac, if you had to pick your dream hitting coach, who would it be? Todd Helton, for reasons that I feel like I don't need to get into, but probably Todd Helton. <laughs> I think he'd be a good one. He seems to know what he does with the bat, you know? He's had some success. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. <laughs> uh, what about you, Evan? Just a shot-in-the-dark fantasy hitting coach. Todd Helton. Yeah. Ooh. If not Todd, then Larry Walker. Yeah, I was I was going to say of the best hitters in Rockies franchise history. Who's your Skyler? I was going to say like, well, the dream one I think currently would be Matt Holiday. Just from what he's younger and you know he's very still engaged as the hitting coach with the game, helping his brother out at uh, Oklahoma, and then. I don't know. I think he's pretty good at teaching because I guess somebody he's related to went number one overall in the draft recently. <laughs> so, but I, I just think like Matt Holiday, you know, I think he would be a really good one. Just he is a professional hitter, really good, knows what he's doing. And no, he's just young enough where no, he's not older like a lot of other guys are. But I think he would fit in really well in that mold. Plus, former Rocky finished out his career here in that final season. I think he'd do pretty good. You know what I also like about Holiday as a choice is that he takes the game of baseball seriously, but not too seriously. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want a clubhouse presence that's going to you know, beat the players down with, with a hyper-competitive uh, you must succeed. You have to do this nature. Like Holiday was always was always good for for a joke or two in the dugout, and I think it does relate to. I think he is in a point where he can definitely relate with these younger players, even though he is an older guy right now. You know, he's almost forty, but that's pretty young for a coach, especially compared to a lot of the other coaches in the Rockies system right now, and especially because he's coaching college kids. And so, no, they're not too far off from the guys that are in the Rockies clubhouse right now. Mm. So I don't think that'd be a bad one. Plus, game on the line, you can sign Matt Holiday to a contract and tell him go hit a home run because he probably still could. <laughs> probably could. He is. When we were watching the draft for our draft coverage on on draft night, he is gigantic still. 
you can tell that he never misses a day in the weight room. Still, it's the same with like uh, with Vinny, where you know if Vinny's going to go out and take some BP with the guys, he's still going to mash a couple balls. Matt Holiday, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in 2018 going to you know, a game in September and he started in left field and that dude's arms are just tree trunks. Totally. <laughs> uh, real quick before we, we take a break, I just want to touch on Stu Cole really quick. Uh, he's not fired. He's not leaving the team. He's just being reassigned back down to the minor leagues, which is kind of an interesting role. Uh can't help but think, you know, because the Rockies infield defense, especially, was kind of glaring this year. A lot of errors in that infield. And that's what Stu Cole works with is the infield. But I really hope this isn't a case of them blaming Stu Cole for this because you can't let one kind of weird bad year out of that infield negate the almost 10 years he spent with the infield, which consisted of 11 gold gloves. You know, so what kind of your your quick thoughts here on Stu Cole being reassigned? Just that I hope he finds a spot that works for him. Uh, I'm I think you nailed Skyler. I don't think that the errors can really be traced back to him at all. I think it's a lot of bad luck from someone who's out there every single day working with the fielders, doing a good job with guys like you know Larry's Montero and Garrett Hampson. A lot of the guys that just get you know extra work from him. Um, I hope whatever his new position ends up being is something that he's happy with and something he can make you know. Uh, make work for him but i totally agree with you that it's certainly not like his bad that the infield took a step back this last season Kevin. yeah i have to agree i don't it's tricky because we don't really know why or what the reasoning behind this is yet because we don't know who's going to be the new third base coach we don't know where Stu is going to land but seeing him after you know 10 plus years as the third base coach with the with the Rockies get reassigned to a minor league role. I'm, I'm really curious to where he goes because Stu has been coaching in the Rockies organization since 1996. He is a Rockies coaching lifer. And if it is like you say, and maybe they're using him as a scapegoat for defensive and base running woes in this 2022 season, then that, that really stinks. But if they're moving him to, maybe get some additional say managerial experience at some of the lower levels and you know shot in the dark if they were to elevate isotopes manager warren schaefer to the big league coaching staff as the third base coach i think that could be really interesting uh we've talked about this a little bit on our slack channel with all the other purple row writers but a lot of us are in agreement that uh is is a strong candidate for sort of the heir apparent to Bud Black, whose contract is up at the end of the 2023 season. So my wondering is if they want, and Stu has experience uh, managing in, in the minor leagues before, my wondering is that are they reassigning Stu to take Warren Schaefer's place and then have Schaefer get some big league coaching experience to sort of, continue to warm him up as buddy black's heir apparent that's just a total shot in the dark none of that could be true we have no idea what's going to happen yet but when i keep thinking about it that's what makes this make sense to me 
the thing for me is it's probably more or less like an elevation into player development role where now Stu Cole can go down and start working with all of these youngsters you know, across the league. Maybe He's kind of going to roll into that Todd Helton role where his responsibilities go and work with defensive infielders you know, and help improve the defense so when they hit the big league level, you know, they're ready to go. Kind of like with Montero. When Montero came up, but he's not playing as much, what was he doing? He was working with Stu Cole on infield drills, doing all kinds of stuff so he could get his glove bigly ready because his bat was ready, but his glove wasn't. And so maybe it's that where he's just entering the player development. He's going to you know, be the rover, travel to these teams, work with the young guys to help improve the gloves. You know, so it's kind of a, a promotion just in the different league. And you never know because we've talked about the Rockies. Rockies are so secretive. They, they wear a lot of things close to their chest. This could have been something that Stu asked for versus a the Rockies are demoting him or deciding to assign him. This could definitely be a mutual thing as well. We talked about this with the um, with the uh, release of Jolie's Chassin of what if this is a mutual thing where they sort of all got together and talked it out. And that could also be the case as well. We just have no idea. It's mm. a good point. So... We'll see, but once we hear everybody his assignments, probably around spring training time or whatever, we'll know for sure. But hitting coach, we're going to be keeping our eyeballs glued to that because that is a very important thing. Uh, when in doubt, Dick Monfort can sign himself as the hitting coach. That would be actually really entertaining to see. Huh. Could you imagine? That'd be amazing. Uh, it'd be something. <laughs> I don't know if amazing is the word I'm looking for. It'd be, it'd be something. Oh, it'd be amazing, just not in the sense you're thinking about. <laughs> it'd be really entertaining. But anyways, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, hopefully figure out some of our whole audio technicalities, which always come when you're doing a podcast. Uh, but stick around with us through the break. We'll be back and we're going to be talking about some fun stuff with a potential new face of the Colorado Rockies in the future? Stay tuned to find out. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Uh, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, Mac is going to have to sit out this second half. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, hopefully we can get him back. Just one thing after another, Evan. It's either food poisoning or food poisoning of his internet. Yeah, unfortunately, with the technical difficulties we were having, we we lost him here for the second half. Uh, the goal was definitely to have a a full party for next week, but for now, we are going to truck on ahead with the second half of our episode. And instead, we have special guests, Mark Wahlberg. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm replacing Mark. This is a, it's a podcast. What's this baseball huh? you're talking about? Say hello to you, This is a podcast. <laughs> so stupid. Anyways. Maybe one of the dumbest bits we've done in the history of the show. Oh, I love it. Or I could always uh, turn into Jeff Goldblum. Hello. Oh. Fun stuff. Uh-huh. Anyways, Evan, do we talk about more baseball? Yeah, let's talk about some more baseball. Cool, cool. Well, 
Uh, this is one that's kind of spurred. We've talked about this before. A lot of hype around this kid. Uh, this potential new face of the Rockies of Zach Veen, who was our 2020 uh, first round pick, just finished up his second professional season after losing the 2020 season, played 2021. He's just had a good year in 2022. And is currently playing in the Arizona Fall League with the Salt River Rafters, where he recently won the Offensive Player of the Week. He's, there's a lot of hype around this kid, and it's gotten a lot of us thinking of, you know, when do we see him? How soon are we going to see Zach Veen in Colorado? And is he uh, the new face of the franchise, the heir apparent to becoming the face of the franchise? And so let's kind of kick this off, Evan. You know, what are your thoughts here on Zach Veen? And I guess any excitement or hype that you're feeling about him? I think it's difficult to not be excited for Zach Veen with how he has played the first few years of his young professional career and then add in how well he's doing with the Salt River Rafters in the Arizona Fall League. So may, uh, professional debut with the Fresno Grizzlies in 2021, played the entire season down in Fresno, hit 301, 399, 501 with 36 stolen bases, 15 home runs, 27 doubles, and 120 total hits. That's profoundly excellent for your first ever professional season. He starts the year in Spokane this year, and his his batting average and his splits in general are a little bit lower, 269, 368, 439. But where he differentiated himself is that he stole 50 bases, which led the Northwest Northwest League by a hefty margin. And he's continued in the Arizona Fall League to steal just an absurd number of bases. He's stolen seven already in seven games. So he's stealing at least one base per game. Uh, went up to Hartford at the tail end of the season. Definitely struggled a little bit with the adjustment towards that. Totally understandable. He hit 177, 262, 234 in 34 games with the Hartford Yard Goats. But now he's in the Arizona Fall League. And he is immediately turning heads much more than before because this is it's a for those who of you who are not familiar with the Arizona Fall League each team is comprised of prospects from multiple different teams and so the the Salt River Rafters have players from like the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and I believe the Mets this year and 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 a few other teams and Veen has really been one of the standouts in the entire Arizona Fall League this year. He's about two years younger than all the other players there. And he's hitting 455, 581, 636 with an OPS of 1.217 in seven games, 31 plate appearances. Like I said, already stolen, seven bases. He's only been caught stealing once, six RBI, 10 hits. He has only struck out twice. He has drawn seven walks and he plays some darn good outfield too. And we talk about, you know, is this the, the next face of the franchise and our own uh, Renee Deckert, who recently became a contributor at call to the pen as well, wrote up an article um, on whether Veen is potentially the next face of the franchise. And she posits that the Rockies definitely believe so especially with how he's sort of exploded onto the scene that he is potentially going to be the face of the franchise much sooner than anticipated. 
And she talks a little bit about how the PR game and the PR training needs to catch up with his, his baseball skills because, you know, Venus very young, he's 20 years old, almost 21. And, you know, if you've ever listened to him in an interview, he's, he's a little awkward. He's, he's such a young guy. And all of a sudden he's in this, in this limelight. And so I think the Rockies are trying to sort of now help him to develop and position him into being that face of the franchise. And I don't think he's going to be the sole face of the franchise because of all these other really strong rookies like Ezekiel Tovar, but he's definitely in a position to be the main one, especially if he continues his meteoric rise where originally when he was drafted, they were expecting what he, he shows up in the big leagues, 2024 in the earliest. And now there's a potential that, you know, he's a 2023 call up. Mm-hmm. Which is very exciting to think about because no, there is a lot of that hype around him and no, I can understand them wanting to like, Oh man, we need to start getting this kid a personality with the PR or get comfortable with the PR, which that should take a back seat anyways. And hopefully that's not like their main focus of everything. If I, I would hope that wouldn't hold them back from calling him up if he's ready and they feel he's ready, but it, it's nice to see just, uh, just such a good rise and a meteoric rise out of a player. No, I wrote about this in an article recently on purple row. Uh, titled I Dream of Vini, which Evan, I know you appreciated that headline quite a bit. It's terrible, but it's <laughs> so good. It is so good. But it, I haven't been this excited about a prospect really that I can feel since Nolan Arenado. Because I remember when Nolan Arenado was getting the call up you now at the end of April in, what was that 20, 2013, and gets his first big league call up, I was hyped. No, that was a really exciting thing. You see the news and you're like, all right, it's finally happening. And we had some of that this past season you know, with Ezekiel Tovar finally coming up. No, Montero, no, Tolia. But I, I didn't feel as excited about them as I do about the prospect of Zach Veen getting called up. Because a lot of what he shows is he's really close to being like a five-tool player. You know, he's a big, tall-link kid, but he's fast. He can steal bases. He can... When he's really on, I think he he does have the potential to hit for that good average, and there's still plenty of power for him to unlock with those big, tall, lanky arms. You know, and his build and everything, there's still so much more for excitement potential out of him that the Rockies can hopefully unlock and turn him into that next you know, superstar on the team. And, hey, if he's just a weird little, like, shy, goofy guy, the super shy, weird guy, that's fine with me. As long as he can hit a ball 430 feet, you know, but it's exciting to say to, especially to see a Rockies prospect get as much attention as he has been, because he's one of the top, you know, MLB pipeline. He's a top prospect in the top 100. He's like in the top 20, isn't he? Or really close. Last time I looked, he was like number 23 or something in all of baseball. And I think he's moved up since then. Uh, where he's definitely in the in the top 25 in Baseball America, top 25 in MLB Pipeline. And it's hard to think of the last time that a, a Rockies prospect has really been this 
this sort of highly touted, highly ranked, especially when, you know, the Rockies farm system has been recovering over the last couple seasons of not being a great farm system overall. But when you look at MLB pipeline right now, the Rockies have two in that top 30. You've got Ezekiel Tovar at 27 and then now uh, Veen up at 23. And if you look at how MLB pipeline grades him for scouting, he's got a plus pretty much everything. He's got plus hit, plus power, plus run, plus arm, plus field. He really does have the potential to develop into this incredible five tool player that the Rockies haven't had in in a long, long time. Because you know, even Nolan Arenado, even Trevor Story, I, I wouldn't call them true five tool players. They definitely have you know things that they are good at and things that they are bad at. Like uh, Nolan Arenado, in case you uh, don't remember, was a terrible base runner. And looked like he had shoes made of cement when he ran the base paths. And and Trevor Story struck out a lot. He didn't really hit for average. He was a power hitter. But Veen can sort of do it all, and we've already seen him do it all. And what's really impressed me is that on top of these, these hitting statistics, it's his ability to steal the base. He's an incredibly intelligent base runner. He is very aggressive, but he's never running just for the sake of running. And that's how you end up with 50-plus stolen bases in high A. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that the Rockies are struggling with is, uh, is like Garrett Hampson or somebody 12 stolen bases this season for the Rockies is the highest. Yeah, that was the total mark. And we were one of the lowest uh, base stealing teams in the entire league. Yeah. And like normally they've had at least maybe one guy that can steal maybe 20. You know, there's Trevor Story, even Rymel Tapia had 20 stolen bases, Ian Desmond, some of those guys, but it's never really been a big part of the Rockies game. Oh, for a long time, really. You know, Charlie Blackman was stealing bases, but he can't really do that anymore. Dexter Fowler. Oh, but it's not really part of their game now. So it's cool to think that there's a guy, a la Larry Walker, can be this five-tool player, you know, has the makings of it, has that potential, and stolen bases you know, are such a tough thing. And with bigger bases and the new you know, pickoff rules and stuff coming into the into the game next year. Oh, that's all the more reason. Like you can look, think of more stolen bases and maybe, you know, 2024 Zach Veen is battling for the stolen base crown type of thing, or at least leading the team with 30 bags at least. Now it's, it's fun to think about a player that, Oh man, all this stuff, there's so much around him that I'm excited for. And kind of wanted to ask this question oh because in what scenario does zach veen crack into the big league roster finally no is it no a late september call up with the last couple weeks like zach or like tovar was does he get called up in like august or no what would you say is the earliest that you see zach veen get time at the big leagues next year the earliest, though it is definitely a long shot, is that he breaks camp with the team after spring training. It's unlikely, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible. I think he definitely gets a spring training invite. A lot of the top prospects usually do. We saw Ezekiel Tovar get one last year, and he really, really killed it. But with what the Rockies are looking like next year, 
it's entirely possible not not in not incredibly likely i will say but it's not impossible that zach veen could start the season with the big league team now i i don't think that's the case my guess is that he's either going to start the start the year back for a, a tune-up stint in double uh, a hartford or they just put him straight in triple a albuquerque and and let him work uh, outside of that, then I think he would definitely be a call up around the all-star break or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was kind of my thinking is no, that's nice him playing in the Arizona fall league. Cause then that can kind of jumpstart him a little more of, okay, he could start in triple a uh, for 2024 because no, he, he did, he struggled it in, in Hartford, but he also got there in August a lot of those guys had been there for a while, and that's a really tough adjustment, and that's a tough league to hit in. So I, I could see that if he goes down there just for a quick tune-up, but starting in AAA seems like the big thing, especially with the Arizona Fall League happening. Uh, but it would be exciting. How exciting would that be? Kind of like Julio Rodriguez with the Seattle Mariners breaks camp, and you know they say, we're all in on this guy. You're going to be our starting, you're starting in the outfield doing this type of thing. It's tough because he plays corner outfield and not really much of a center fielder, though I'm sure he could do it. But that, how exciting would that be? You get a Julio Rodriguez situation with him. It definitely would. And, and there are definitely parallels too, though um, Julio was sort of playing professional ball just a little bit longer. Uh, he played, Yeah. Um, he started in 2019 after playing 2018 with the Mariners Dominican summer league team. But there are, there are definitely parallels to draw here. So Julio is about a year older than Zach Veen and never played above double a. He went straight from the Arkansas travelers in 2021, where he played just 46 games with them but played incredibly well to straight on the roster. And I think that was a huge push and he's such an incredibly talented player. And, and Veen has a lot of similarities. He doesn't have the pure power that Julio does. And I don't think they're necessarily a one-to-one comparison, but it is, it is guys like Julio. And it's also the, the new clauses in the CBA that sort of try and decrease service time manipulation. That makes me wonder if now they can see if Veen continues to do really, really well in the Arizona fall league and then just knocks everybody's socks off in spring training. Do you call him up? Do you put him on that roster? Because that's definitely going to be a draw. That's definitely going to be something exciting for, for the fans of the big league team, especially when, and I'll draw attention back to the the letter that Dick Monfort put out at the end of the season. One of the biggest things that he pushes is the wave of young talent coming over anything else. And that mm. makes me wonder if that puts Veen even more in a position of potentially starting the 2023 season, starting next season on the big league club. I think a lot has to go right for that to happen, but we've seen now with Julio Rodriguez with these four to five tool players who are really, really astounding in the minors that it's not impossible. 
and yeah. that yeah. and e even if it doesn't happen it's all the more tantalizing because i really think veen is going to be something special for these rockies yeah and i think another player comp that you can look up is michael harris the second with atlanta no he only played he got called up straight from double a this year after playing 43 games in double a got called up known as so as a 21 year old he's playing in the playoffs now had a really good season he's a rookie of the year candidate you know the braves didn't mess around they called up a guy that they needed and he's excelled and so just that that thought with the rockies are trending a little bit more younger you know bill schmidt's now starting to turn more to the people he's drafted building his team the way he wants to Oh, maybe we see Zach Veen crack the roster at some point next year. And if he's ready earlier, the better. If not, they at least give us a little, they can give us a little bit of a taste late in the season. You know what? I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say it. I think Veen definitely plays in the big leagues in 2023. Barring any sort mm -hmm. of like injury or other catastrophic event, Veen will play on the Colorado Rockies roster in 2023. I'm putting that out there right now. And I'm knocking on wood just in case. Because we don't want anything to happen to him. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> but prospect him starting in AAA, good stuff. And then he can just be the start of the first wave of more more guys. And you get your Benny Montgomery, you get Drew Romo, uh, all kinds of other guys starting to, to come in the rank and file. And then his his rise then will kind of lead into maybe what do they do during the off season? You know, what kind of hitting coach do we want so we can work with these young players that we're going to be bringing up? You know, that kind of stuff. It's all connected. It's like a uh, poetry. They yeah. rhyme. Yeah. It's like poetry rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's this young oh, wave, George this Lucas. young wave that's coming up that makes me think that, what my ideal off season would be just to immediately roll into this is maybe one big signing, one big splash signing, and then some just general supplementary free agent signings because mm -hmm. so many of these other spots are going to be filled by the young guys. We know that Michael Tolia is probably going to be on the roster next year. We know Ezekiel Tovar, Sean Bouchard has very likely earned that spot. Uh, Elaris Montero, I there would be riots in the streets, I think, if he didn't start next season on the big league roster. And so with how young that team is trending, I think the smart move would be rather than trying to make big splashes at position players where you are potentially going to block their playing time because, oh, now you're paying this one guy a bunch of money to, say, um, start at first base, start at shortstop over Ezekiel Tovar or Michael Tolia. The goal would be then to maybe supplement the pitching staff, get a reliever or two. I personally would like to see the Rockies make a, a genuine attempt at signing uh, Carlos Rodon if he opts out of his contract with the San Francisco Giants. I think he has a pitch mix that will play really, really well at Coors Field, and he's been excellent the last two years. That would be a good pickup. Uh, we could spend a bunch of money. I heard there's a, a shortstop that's opting out of his, his contract in <laughs> Minnesota. Could sign oh, him. Could you imagine? 
and then all uh, the, after all the hype, after all the hubbub, Ezekiel Tovar is ready to play everyday shortstop, and they sign and someone. He's like Carlos him. Correa. That would be actually really funny, but in a really terrible way. <laughs> like it would be jaw-droppingly stupid in a way that would only make you laugh. Uh, the dream scenario: Nolan Arenado opts out of his contract, so we don't have to pay him, and then he can sign somewhere else. <laughs> as long as he doesn't sign with the Dodgers. Oh, you know he would though. If he yeah. opted out of the contract with the Cardinals. And then he's like, eh, I want to make a real run at the World Series. And I just, no, I, he, I think he really likes being with the Cardinals. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't opt out or if he does, he just resigns a new contract with them to give mm-hmm. him some length. But then that's also the worst case scenario of as soon as he opts out, you know what the storylines are. Of, oh, he could go back and play for his oh, a team he grew up rooting for type of thing. Uh, the same the same story every offseason for every big free agent yeah but then, isn't that always yeah. the case 2023 opening day starting shortstop for the dodgers Nolan Arnado. oh that'd be awful opening oh day that'd be terrible no oh, yeah third baseman <laughs> no you never know Eugenio suarez played some shortstop manny machado used to be a shortstop indeed but that would be the worst case scenario. But I th- I'm in agreement with you of, you know, you're going to have to make some trades. If that means, you know, CJ Crone, if we have to trade him, so Michael Tolley or you no know, Montero have a spot at first base. As much as I love Crone, that might be what we have to do. Exactly. Just for the, the sake of the team of what the way they're trending. And they just got to make, they can't run out the same group again for next year. Now you got to shake things up and kind of start trending in more or less. You have to rebuild right now and build up your farm system and, and retool, do what you can. And if that means no oh, Randall Gritchick ended up, you no know, having an overall solid year. And was it exactly what the Rockies wanted when they traded for him? No, but he's still pretty solid in that one year left on his deal. No, look, see what else is out there. Um, but they got to retool and fill up some holes. Like you said, starting pitching. Now they got to do something there. And because it's my belief, if you sign a good pitcher, they're going to figure out how to be good at Coors Field. No. And you got to move around the outfit. And I think center field is what they keep saying. That's what they want to figure out is oh, a center fielder that can lead off, preferably a left-handed hitter. And with all those descriptors, I wouldn't be surprised that you get Kevin Kiermeyer. That would be but interesting. Who knows? Yeah. But I think pitching is the biggest focus that needs figured out is hey, they need we need pitching. <laughs> I really, really want Rodone. That would be nice, but I don't think he'd want to come to Colorado, unfortunately. Yeah. And all we can do now is wait and see. Yep. Wait and see and put all of our hopes on Peter Lambert. That's... Or Jose Urania. Run it back. Anyways. Tough stuff. But that's something we'll probably get into a conversation later on. More of our, our free agent wish list or off-season stuff. But before we close out this episode, 
unfortunately, we were trying to hold this off until we could have Mac again. And we had him, but then technical difficulties. But it's time for the Players of the Month. I wish we had a little jingle for that. Players of the Month. Okay, Evan. Well, first we'll we'll talk Mac here real quick. Uh, Mac, yeah, some interesting picks. <laughs> I actually didn't get his MVP, so I'll leave that for him later. But his pitcher of the month, he said Justin Lawrence, and but kind of like Daniel Bard for the stats. But Justin Lawrence, he feels just found himself a high leverage spot for next year. Just the role that he pitched himself into, kind of gave him a, a good look in the month of September. And then his player of the month was Ezekiel Tobar, strictly for the hype, but then Sean Bouchard, strictly for his stats. So, old Mac with some good picks. <laughs> Definitely wants to talk about it. We'll I, I just pick his brain a little bit more next time. Mm-hmm. I just love the Ezekiel Tovar for the hype. Just cracks me up. But anyways, Evan, who's your pitcher and player and MVP of the month? So I'm going to start with my position player of the month. And I will say, Ezekiel Tovar, not bad uh, for his nine games that he played as a big leaguer in September and October, uh, slash 212-257-333 with uh, two extra base hits, including his first big league home run. But, you know, we really didn't see that much of him. My runner-up is actually Jonathan Daza who continued to have just a really good season. Daza was great this year. Uh, Really, really low-key, one of the better players on this team. But my pick for position player of the month has got to be the rookie, Sean Bouchard. Sean Bouchard played some really solid defensive left field and got a, a lot of opportunity in the last month or so of the season. He played in 22 games, started 21 of them, had 80 plate appearances. That's more plate appearances in September and October than Elias Montero had. And for the rookies, only trailed uh, Michael Tolia for plate appearances. He hit three home runs and two doubles. He had 11, had 11 RBI. The big thing for him, though, was walks and strikeouts. He drew 18 walks to 22 strikeouts in 80 plate appearances. That is really, really good. And he led the team by a country mile in the month of September and October for on-base percentage at 488, while slugging 583, also leading the team, and hitting 333, also leading the team. Bouchard was really good in September and October. And it's impressive because he was sort of this unsung, not particularly highly touted prospect who just came in and really nailed it. And then mm-hmm. for my pitcher of the month, I'm going with Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland ended off his uh, his season in September and October with an ERA of 303, over six starts and 30, 32 and two-thirds innings. He did give up two home runs, but had had that low walk rate of, of just nine walks in those 32 and two-thirds innings compared to 30 strikeouts. He was uh, tied, I think, with Herman for 
the same number of strikeouts in those last six games of the season, their last six starts. And in his final start of the season, did really, really well. And it sort of got overshadowed by that bullpen implosion. But yeah, Kyle Freeland. And then for my MVP, I'm going to go with Sean Bouchard. Nice. And I'll just hop right into it. I have the same picks as you. Nice. Uh, aside from MVP, I'm calling that Kyle Freeland. Which is fair. I think you can go either way with that. Yeah, and, and I think what was nice, now I won't touch on Bouchard too much. Now I think you've covered it nicely, and uh, and Mac has told us as well um, off mic. But it's just nice to see a young player, he get just a nice, solid player, and fortunately that he's might have no bump some other players who he fits the same mold as on the roster on the bench for next year. But Kyle Freeland, I think, is the big one. You know, he had such a tough start to the season. You know, had some ups and downs. But we talked about this last week, and before he's the leader in that rotation now. You know, he's the homegrown kid. He signed that contract. He's committed to pitching and winning in Colorado. And you know, he, he, throughout his ups and downs, he had a really good month of September, probably one of his better months. You know, there was a clunk clunker or two in there but overall highly competitive and you know he's pitching back into that form that we're more accustomed to Kyle Freeland pitching that we saw you know maybe not the same level as 2018 2017 Kyle Freeland but definitely back into a form that's more reminiscent of those of those versions of Kyle Freeland and so he's that leader in that rotation and you know for a brief second he was the only rocky pitcher with an or starter with an ERA under four or under five. Uh, but thanks to some scoring changes, uh, <laughs> Armon Marquez gets in there by default, just <laughs> drops in there. But Kyle Freeland, he is, you know, when you think of Colorado pitching, you know, a lot of people think of Armon Marquez, but for me, Kyle Freeland is the face of the Colorado starting pitching. And you know, he's competitive and he's that leader. And so he performed well on the mound. And then he's, I'm sure he's a very vocal guy in the clubhouse and in the dugout. You no, know, he's a big team player. And so Kyle Freeland, the pitching lives and dies by you know, Kyle Freeland's leadership and his performance, a big part of it. Definitely. It was really nice to see him, especially in the, in the second half of this year, he really stepped it up with how he was pitching. And we've really seen him develop into this leader in the clubhouse and in the rotation. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, if, if you chose him for your MVP for this month, I think that is absolutely a respectable pick. Yeah, it's it's good, just good to see everything that he's gone through this season of the ups and downs, the frustration, you know, destroying lights in the dugout <laughs> and stuff. No, he's passionate and you can tell when the frustration. No, we don't hear a lot from the players a lot of the time. No, they're kind of really mannered. And so for when, like we talked about last week, him airing, no, a lot of concerns and like, no, in a way calling out the organization, like stuff needs to change. We need to figure this out being vocal. No, that goes a long way. And that means, I think that probably means a lot to a lot of guys and says something about him as a leader and as a player. Definitely. And you you think about who the who the leaders are in this in this clubhouse as a whole going forward, and that's Kyle. 
Mm-hmm. He's the veteran now. Hard He's to believe. He's the guy it. looking at Captain Phillips. Look at me. <laughs> I am the pitcher now. <laughs> but good stuff. Yeah, hopefully we can get Mac on here next week so we can pick his brain a little bit more, and at least for the second half. Because audio issues are always a rough thing. So we miss Mac, and we'll get him back, hopefully the entire episode next time. Uh, but that'll do it here for this week's edition of Affected by Altitude as we roll down the rest of this season with the playoffs happening, and then we'll get into the offseason having some fun there. Uh, but Evan, uh, where can the folks get you, and do the Mariners move past the Astros by the time this episode goes up? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. You can also find me on Purple Road doing my Thursday rock piles. And I really hope so. It is going to be tough going back home in uh, facing elimination for the first playoff game in Mariners history since 2021 at home. That's going to be really tough. So all we can really do is is sort of hope. The, the bright side is these have been winnable games for them that they just haven't been able to win. So I mm-hmm. hope they can pull it out. I really, really do, but I just don't know. Yeah. Turns out all the teams that you don't want to move on in the postseason are winning the games in order to move on to the post move on to the championship round. Ain't that but just the chance? Skyler yeah, reckon the books Mariners... find you at. You can find me scouring the internet to fix Mac's internet. <laughs> we have to fix your internet or, too. Yeah. <laughs> help myself before I help others. But you can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, and also Wednesday rock piles now. Uh, so people know, don't expect rock piles on the weekends anymore. Um, but follow us through Monday through Friday for all kinds of good stuff. And I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and also check out our ranking the Rockies series of articles that are happening on purple row right now. So we're going down every player that suited up for the Rockies this year. We're slowly moving down. I believe we're in the mid thirties closing down, but always good articles kind of reviewing the players of the season. Everybody puts in a lot of good insight as they pick players and write about them. Uh, I just, I've done mine. I did Robert Stevenson and Ashton Goudeau. Evan, you have, you did Garrett Hampson. You've done some others that are coming up. Lots of good stuff. Be sure to check those out. And as always, we'll be here again. Perhaps next Friday when we record that you'll hear the Monday after that. But that'll do it here for this edition. Again, thank you as always for joining us. Evan, thank you for joining us as well as Mac. You're Evan, welcome. Hit him with it. Uh, first, I'll give Mac a quick shout out. You can find him on Twitter at, at Matt, Mac Wilcox CBP. Go ahead and give him a follow. And then, farewell. Say hi to your mother for me. Ugh. <laughs>